It's Monday, June 24th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Hidden Gems, Chief Investment Officer, Andy Cross. Good to see you guys. Happy Monday. Hey, happy hey. Monday. Um, I say happy Monday, and yet the stock market is just awash <laughs> in red today. So it's we will, not so happy. We, we will get to that. Uh, we're also going to talk about Google, uh, Google's latest acquisition, um, uh, and Disney, which appeared to have won the weekend. Uh, but let's start with the market in general. And as I said, stocks just getting hammered. Uh, I think the Dow was down at like one and a half percent, something like that, uh, when we walked in the studio this morning. And uh, China getting the the credit or the blame, take your pick. But uh, it, it appears that for all the woes or all the worries, Andy, of QE two and yep. the, the winding down of the of the bond buying program in the in the U.S. It appears that China may actually have more banking problems than us. Here's the thing, Chris. That I mean, the you look at the bond performance and look at the ten year bond yield here in the U.S. and yeah. it's it's like fallen the equivalent of like thirty percent in the course of like what a, a month or so um, from when when um, the Fed uh, when Chairman Bernanke started speaking and hinting at the fact that we're going to have this slowdown. But China certainly has, I mean, there's, there's been talk about this for the last couple of years, the China banking sector and the amount of liquidity they've pumped in. And then when that spigot shuts off, what happens? And we're starting to see a little bit of those fears right now. And China has put a lot of investments into their, into their um, economy and into their infrastructure. And if the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the hose shut off and the spigot dries up. I mean, that's just some, some deep trouble for the emerging markets, um, and, and possibly for the growth for the, uh, on the global scale. So, I mean, the good sign is that the, the Fed here in the U.S., the fact that they've indicated this, this eventual slowdown in the bond purchasing, all under the, um, the hope that the economy is improving. That's good for, good for businesses that are in good shape and can benefit from that, that healthy economy. What do you think, Jason? Yeah, I mean, well, uncertainty is the name of the game here, right? And the more uncertainty that's out there, the the more volatility we'll we'll see in the markets. And I mean, you know, with China, I mean, a lot of a lot of the the market's performance to date has been sort of based on the supposition of of the growth machine in China. Yeah. Um, and and you know what we're seeing is some questions as to whether that growth is really real or whether it's you know going to be able to continue. And it it looks like it's probably not going to be able to continue, uh, which is obviously taking a toll on commodities and when you look at just our global economy as a whole along with the headline driven nature of the markets uh 24 7 you know this this is the kind of stuff you get but um yeah, i mean at the end of the day i, I still i mean you have to remember <laughs> when you start basing everything on china let's remember I mean, this is a communist country still so we, we understand who's calling the shots there let's let's focus on things here at home right now uh, you know, Andy made a good point there. I think with at least getting out there with the with the uh, sort of taking the foot off the gas of the bond purchasing program, that'll happen eventually. But but it it goes to show that this will do whatever we have to do at any cost. Or sort of mentality that the Fed has taken comes with a price, and that that's what we're seeing now is that at some point you've got to sort of take your foot off the gas, quit propping it up, and let things just kind of go however they're going to go. Just as we have talked in the past about uh, the EU, and in, you know, I, I recall one conversation we had, Jason, about the automakers, and you know, I asked you, look, if you're if you're looking at Ford or GM, if you're looking at any of these guys, should you just not expect anything out of the EU? Is China maybe China's not at that point now, just by virtue of the size of the market opportunity in China? But is China now sort of? 
maybe a little bit uh, closer to the edge, Andy, where if you're an investor, maybe you want to ratchet back expectations in terms of stocks that you own, companies that you're buying shares of that are increasingly dependent on China. If if the market opportunity is like, hey, our, our big opportunity is in China, it's like, well, guess what? I, I'm, I'm slightly less interested in buying shares now. Well, I think, Chris, I, I've... For, for for a while now, I've I've um, advocated to avoid investing in companies that are specifically tied to China, and certainly those that are domiciled in the Chinese market, mostly because I just saw so many good things happening here with U.S.-based companies. Um, now, whether you want to think about pulling back about your investments in companies like PepsiCo and Diageo, of which I both own and still like, here, um, I wouldn't think so much about that. I mean, certainly as emerging markets are more and more important, but emerging markets in general for so many of these companies will kind of ebb and flow, and I think there's still so much opportunity there. So I wouldn't let that dissuade you from investing in global companies based here in the U.S. that are that are um, operating in so many emerging markets. So I, I don't I don't think so much along those lines, but certainly I think um, companies that are certainly domiciled in China and have all of their um, their profits or revenues tied to China, I would still stay away from. Uh, the U.S. Federal Trade Commission is investigating Google's recent acquisition of Waze, the uh, crowdsourcing uh, mapping service that's based in Israel. Uh how serious is this, Jason? I mean, this was, we, we, I mean, just to refresh uh, the memories of our dozens of listeners, uh, a month or so ago, Facebook was about to close this acquisition of Waze. Google swoops in at the last minute. They buy them for anywhere from $1.1 billion to $1.3 billion. Um, you know, pop the champagne, confetti, et cetera, et cetera. And now, I don't know, is this... Is this about to get completely undone by the FTC? I, uh, you know, I would be surprised if that is the end result here. I mean, I don't think this is – it's not terribly surprising that this headline came up. I mean, it, it is – Google is known for two things, search and maps. And God forbid we let a company that does something really well try to do it even better. You know, I mean, that seems to be sort of the way things go here. I was We were talking earlier. I was reading about how uh, Amazon is having its issues in the EU – uh, with bundling book packages and shipping them for free, and you know people are crying foul. That's not fair. Well, you know what? I mean, <laughs> life isn't fair, right? Uh, I, I kind of feel like this is <laughs> something tell that my daughter. it makes a it makes a great headline today. I think it's going to probably uh, be something that it, I, I don't think Google's going to have any trouble closing this deal. I think it's something that will ultimately make them better. It'll it'll be something that consumers will benefit from. Uh, but I think this is sort of an obligatory. A part of the process that has to has to at least happen. Do they have to make some sort of concession? Uh, I mean, uh, that is often the case with uh, when the FTC comes and knocking at your door. Um, or do you think that they'll just um, sit down, and make their case for why uh, this is not, you know, uh, an antitrust thing, and and life will go on as before? Yeah, I don't know how many attorneys are sitting in, in the, the Googleplex, um, but I, I, I mount. I'm going to say many. I imagine it has to be a lot, and if not, I'm sure they have access to plenty of legal firepower. Um, 
I think why I'm uh, I agree with Jason. I think ultimately this gets resolved, and I think in the the benefit for Google, Google shareholders as well as consumers is the difference between Waze and Google mapping software is different enough that and the market is so um, complex, changing, growing, adapting. There are plenty of competitors out there. I think I I, I ultimately think this gets worked out. And I think the FTC will realize that um, this is this is not an infringement on any kind of consumer right or um, challenges to. To, um, you know, free commerce. So I think they'll they'll uh, see it the uh, in favor of Google. So no chance that this gets undone, and then Facebook comes back with their checkbook, or <laughs> Apple swoops in, or I no, would be terribly surprised. Oh, yeah, no, I guess, I guess there's. I mean, I would never ever say there's no chance of anything you know ultimately happening and and i mean i'm given the fact that i'm a philadelphia eagles fan I'm still hopeful <laughs> that someday they may actually win the super bowl um maybe i'm an optimist crazy but i think this gets resolved uh, positively for google uh the market uh is getting hammered uh, as i mentioned uh, across the board um shares of disney when we walked in the studio shares of disney were flat which given what the broader market is doing <laughs> i'm i'm calling that a victory uh, this is one disney share holder calling that a victory. Uh, and I'm assuming at least part of what's fueling uh, Disney being flat today is the fact that Monsters University, uh, the latest film from Pixar, uh, the Pixar division at Disney, is number one at the box office here in the U.S. It took in $82 million over the weekend. Sticking it to the zombies, huh? Sticking it to World War Z, although that took in a little bit more than, than expected. Um, did you go see that? I did not. I, I actually took my kids to go see Monsters University, giving it, you know, yeah, see a little up. jelly there. I wanted to go. I mean, we were talking about this. I had to sort of wait because my wife is out of town. We need to need to go as a, as a family there because we're all looking forward to seeing it. But wow, some really great results. Not surprising. Not surprising. And um, one of the great winning streaks in the world of business, which is that fourteen pictures from Pixar, and all fourteen have debuted at number one at the box office, um, and. Uh, I don't know. This just seems like I. I feel like there that there are film critics out there who are sort of, not surprisingly, I suppose, missing the larger business story because the bar that Pixar has set for itself is so high in terms of its creativity and and the movies they've produced that anything that doesn't clear that bar is just you know. And there were plenty of reviews that were like, "Well, this this movie's fine, but it's not it's, <laughs> it's not as good as the original. It doesn't have the same heart, blah blah blah, and all that stuff." And as I as I wrote on Twitter last night, I enjoyed Monster as uh, as a film goer, as a dad, I enjoyed Monsters University with my kids today. And as a Disney shareholder, I feel like I'm going to be enjoying Monsters University for years to come because it just it seems like once again they have not only put out a good movie, but a good movie that when you look at how Disney is able to spread their characters across all their different properties, it just seems like they're, they're, they're going to be making even more money off And of they it. get to put these movies out up against some pretty stout competition, too, right? It's not like they went out there with just nothing else out in the theaters. I mean, World War Z I, I obviously got a very good reception. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there wanting to go see it. Uh, at some point, yeah, I'm sure they're going to be a victim of their own success. I mean, we see that in things like restaurants or retail stores with comps, right? It, every great year sort of sets yourself up for potential failure the next year because you don't reach or clear that bar. Uh, but the nice thing about Disney, the, the nice thing about Pixar and what they do is they have, they, they produce a product that has, it, 
it has an audience of, of virtually everyone out there. I mean, it, World War Z is going to be a relatively limited audience. To I'm not talking about little kids. Brad Pitt fans and zombie World fans, War Z. Right? I mean, the chances of me going to see that movie are virtually zippy. I'm not going to go see it. I couldn't care less about it. But with Monsters University, I mean, not only do I want to take my kids to see it, but I genuinely want to see it too. So, I mean, that's something where they've really, uh, they've really learned how to develop those characters. Like you said, take them in all sorts of different directions, attract uh, a lot of different audiences there. And, and I just, you know, the characters sort of lend themselves to that. But you obviously have some pretty smart content producers as well that are, that are, uh, you know, bringing these things to life. So uh, well done again. And the real beauty behind the Pixar brand and the magic is the consistency that Chris, you spoke to, and something that DreamWorks has been lacking. We talked about last week yep. the need the need for DreamWorks as they expand and reach into TV, um, which is, I think, a great strategy. They need to continue to have these in theater wins, as a company like Pixar has had for its its history, and that really right. has helped generate. I mean, the fact that Disney had bought this for I think seven billion dollars or, yeah. or so years ago, and have generated. I mean. Not having the numbers in front of me, but certainly up teen, uh, a great return on that uh, investment. That's what you need to see. That's what I would love to see for DreamWorks to come back to. They used to be, and and for the most part, it's still been such a Shrek brand. They need to expand on that and build out that library catalog because that's really where so much of the value is generated. Yes, you need to have the the in theater wins, and that's critical to sustain that the um, the value that your uh, assets can can kick off over the those movie assets and those brands and the characters can kick off years and years down the road in other venues like television. The investment in Pixar has reached mint status. I'm declaring it. Yeah. As in, like, it's just a mint. Yeah. Disney's just yeah. printing money left and right with it. Um, yeah. it. The Wall Street Journal had a story about how uh, Walt Disney and Sony have been very quietly testing video on demand in places like South Korea so that a film that is in the theaters is also within just a couple of weeks available on demand and i'm it's an interesting test and i think a lot of people are watching it but i don't know i i'm curious to know what you guys think because i i one of the things that struck me when i was sitting in the theater uh yesterday was that moment when the lights come down and just sort of the excitement in the room that sort of thing and i thought you know what that never happens at home just that moment of when the lights go down, it's it still is an experience to go to the movie theaters. There is still that moment of the show is about to begin that, frankly, is never matched at home when you are clicking the on-demand button or putting the Blu-ray into your player. Yeah, I think that's true, Chris. I mean, the, the challenge that, that uh, this kind of experiment will have, and the article talks a little bit about this in the journal today, is just dealing with the theater operators and owners who, who right. are so dependent on those, especially during the summertime and the holiday blockbusters. That's when they mint all of their money. Um, so <laughs> as these, as the producers and the content providers wrestle with all the various ways that consumers are, are, gen- are, are, are consuming the content and how quickly they can get those into the hands of streaming video services like Netflix and Amazon Prime, um, and and obviously into the into the into our our living rooms through Apple TV when it makes its huge unveiling sometime in the next century, um, uh, or or in Netflix, whatever it may be. Um, this the the theater providers are are constantly going to be. There's going to be some some um, some friction there as well and they're going to see that here in the u.s what is your go-to snack at a movie theater 
Um, and I'll just say that yesterday, I, because we, you know, I, it's not all that often I take my kids to the movie. We watch a lot of movies at home, but, but I, I just kind of, and part, and part of this is because my wife, who's much more health conscious than I am, was not there yesterday. Uh, so I was just like, sure. Yeah. I was basically just saying yes to everything. Yes. We'll get Skittles. Yes. We'll get popcorn. Yeah. Junior mints. Yes. Twizzlers. Sure. Yes. Everything. You, I want to take you to the movies. Right <laughs> um, I, I, yeah. I like, uh, peanut M&Ms. Nice. That's you? like the goal when you have your kids. You go like by yourself. The movie. You just you shower them with everything they want, right? Yeah. They look back years from now with really fond memories you and did, horrible did, teeth, but fond memories. You did, you did well, Chris. Uh, I'm a popcorn guy. I reserve the right, however, to substitute with milk duds from, yeah, from time milk to time. Yeah, yeah. The 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 one thing that uh, that I'm a fan of that my kids are like, no, the raisinets. I'm, I love me some raisinets, and they they want nothing to do with them, which of course means I get them all to myself. Jason Moser, Andy Cross, guys, thanks for being here. As always, people in the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market. Producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.